I'm Robbie Burns. And I'm Craig McClellan. And welcome to Semester 2 of the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. Yes, that's right. We're back. After a long first semester of school for each of us, numerous tech hardware releases, and uh, a number of new topics to talk about, we are returning for our winter semester? Sure, that sounds good. Yeah. Hey, Robbie, it's really good to talk to you. It, it took us a minute to kind of remember how to start a podcast. I think we've got it going, though. Yeah, I had to tap a bunch of buttons in Logic and remember how to do everything, but I think we're ready to roll. Well, and I am uh, recording from a uh, a new iPad Pro with a new setup and all the new dongles and all sorts of stuff. So it took me a minute to get things going, too. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So we've had a couple of events where our loyal listeners last left us. We were talking about new iPhone releases and new iPhone software and all sorts of new Apple event-related stuff. And uh, wait, was that our last episode? What was our bonus episode about? Yeah, that that was that. And iOS 12, watchOS 5. We yeah, got yeah, it. yeah. Okay, we got it. We're on it. All right, so we uh, we left off there. And since we last spoke, there had well, there was a an iPad event, and um, this was the subject of much, I don't know about debate, but this was the subject of um, much anxiety for me, uh, not as much for you, but over the past month, we've been texting back and forth, talking about uh, how ultimately we landed on our decision as to which new iPad each of us purchased. And honestly, I don't remember where you landed. I think I do, but uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and share what I did really quickly, and then you can tell the listeners about your journey. I am now no longer living the multi-pad lifestyle. Uh, I have gotten rid of my first-generation 12.9-inch iPad and my 10.5-inch, and uh, I have a brand-new 2018 12.9-inch With the uh, keyboard folio and the Apple Pencil, and uh, I absolutely love it. It's it's the right size for me. It's not perfect for walking and holding around the classroom or sitting in bed reading, but it's close enough that along with using it as a laptop replacement, the size is is where I need it to be. So uh, ultimately, that's, that's where I landed, and I've been really happy. No regrets. Yeah, um... I admire your decisiveness there. Uh, I, I went on a long journey here. I, for long, had the 12.9 first-generation iPad Pro, and it was, it was lovely for you know landscape view, laptop kind of work with a keyboard attached, but I really just never felt like it was an iPad. Um, I always missed the feeling of holding something small while on the couch or in bed for things like reading and catching up on Twitter. So when it came time to choose a new iPad Pro size, I thought I would you know, go based on the philosophy that, okay, well, the new 11-inch now has more screen, but maintains uh, more or less a close form factor to the original. So I ordered one of those along with keyboard and Apple Pencil, and then the reviews started coming out, or rather the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the, all of the tech press who was at the event started to write about, oh, the 12.9-inch feels so much lighter. You, you won't even be able to tell which one of these is which. So I got cold feet, and um, you know I really thought that the 11-inch could be both my classroom iPad where I'm reading sheet music and doing seating charts and all this stuff, uh, while also being the right form factor for couch time reading. 
So what I did was on day one, um, of, on release day, I went to the Apple Store and I spent about 45 minutes <laughs> holding every single one. I actually wrote a blog post about this, which we can link to in our show notes. But I mean, I tried holding each one with my left hand, with and without keyboard attached, with my right hand, with and without keyboard attached. I tried opening different apps side by side. I tried reading a piece of sheet music on one side of each size iPad while having notes on the other half. And it turns out that... Um, you know, I really don't believe that the 12.9, the new one, is quite as light as everyone in the tech press said it was. Um, but the fact that when you're in split-screen view, you get more features inside of apps really kind of tipped me over the edge. I really like having my software have the most features. And, it, and if even, you know, on the most surface level, even if it's just so that I can know what they're all about and write about them and be aware of them. Um, you know, that's, that's one reason for it. But also, you know, I was just, I was playing around about these iPads and, you know, when I had notes open side by side on both sides of the screen, you can do the thing where you kind of swipe to the right and you can see the list view of all of your notes. Um, and you couldn't do that on the 11 inch. So I just, I ultimately, I, that plus the fact that at the end of the day, if I'm honest, with how I actually use my iPad. I really am a power user. I use it in classroom with two apps side by side, one of which is sheet music. So I just really, I took a plunge off the deep end. Oh, and the, the keyboard, that was the tiebreaker. The keyboard feels so much easier, both on-screen software keyboard and the folio attachment feels so much better for my giant hands to type on. Yeah. And because for me, this is a complete laptop replacement, I don't have a Mac. It was important to me to have all those things that you said. So the the 11 inch was never really a consideration for me, but um, I do miss that smaller size. And there's a chance that maybe down the road, I might just end up with one of the sixth generation iPads or whatever, you know, the cheaper education model. Um, but this I've been I've been really, really happy with this. I have two. So I ultimately ended right where you did. I, If I were to summarize, and this is just my personal opinion, to me, the 12.9-inch iPad is very much a landscape device, and the 11-inch is still a, a portrait. So I'm finding that even things that I like to read in bed or on the couch, I'm holding the iPad in landscape a lot of the time. Yeah. I was going to say, do we want to talk about any more of the iPad features or things that we like about it? But honestly, like, I mean, it's great. And I'm super excited, especially to like edit this podcast on it because the extra power, like bouncing out the MP3 of the podcast and using the new Apple pencil to do stuff will be great. But otherwise it's right now, it's just like my old iPad, um, just the face ID is great and the form factor is better. And hopefully, you know, we'll get some more software uh, next year that can add even more capabilities, but there's not, I'm not doing much differently than I was. Uh, I guess I've had it for two weeks now. So uh, I'm then two weeks ago. Yeah. I feel the same way. I feel like the whole device, the whole design of it is just far more delightful to use but uh, yeah, I'm using from a from a software perspective, it's the same. I will say the keyboard. If you want my 10 second keyboard review, um, I like it a lot. But I really do. I think it's harder to take the iPad off, and I, it's I'm finding that it's um, 
demotivating me to ever use the iPad detached from the keyboard. Yeah, I rarely used the 12.9 apart from the keyboard anyway, so that's not a big change for me. Yeah, well, for me, it's like that, okay, I'm trying to... Remember, I chose this because I was only going to go one iPad, and for me, it was the thinness and the lightness of the 12.9 was just good enough that maybe I could like get away with holding it in my hand. Um, but I'm finding, yeah, that I just, instead of holding it in my left hand detached from the keyboard, I'm finding that I just keep the keyboard attached and kind of cradle it in my left arm when I'm walking around the classroom. Yeah, yeah, I do the same. Which is how I use the old one. All right, well, that's kind of our quick iPad update. So, Robbie, what's our actual topic today? So we threw out a list of potential semester two topics to our semester one listeners. And these were a bunch of topics that didn't quite make the cut for semester one. And um, we did a little Google form. And between the ideas we already were leaning towards for this semester, our listeners also sort of added a little bit of their opinion, which helped us to shape and prioritize some of our topics. So um, one of the most strongly voted topics and one that I think we are both very passionate about has earned the slot of episode one, and that is using the Apple Watch in the classroom. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Now, I am currently still using my Series 3 Apple Watch that I got last year. Robbie, you got a new watch, correct? I did, yeah. Apple's trade-in program is pretty solid. Uh, my Series 3 gave me $225 towards a Series 4. That's not bad. Yeah, and uh, I've been teaching a lot of private lessons lately, so uh, I just went ahead and bought it, and I, I really wanted to go steal, but I practiced some restraint, and um, I went for, again, the aluminum 44, what is the larger size now? 44 yep. millimeter. 44, yep. Uh, yeah, and I'm really happy with it. Well, one of the things I'm happiest with is one of the watch faces, which we're going to get into a little bit later. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's a great starting point. Maybe maybe I'll go ahead and, since mine's older and not as cool as yours, I'll go ahead and share mine really quickly. Um, so this will be in the show notes. There will be a picture and it'll be in the show artwork for this chapter. So if your podcast app of choice does show um, artwork for different chapters like Overcast does, and I think maybe with iOS 12, the uh, podcast app from Apple does as well. Uh, but you can check that out and you'll see our different uh, watch faces. So I do use a few different ones and I'm just going to talk about the one that I wear when I'm teaching. And so it's the uh, original infograph face. Now I have experimented with others at different times, including the Siri face when watchOS 5 released, but I just found that it wasn't doing anything differently than watchOS 4, and I'd rather just know exactly what information I'm going to see when I look. So I've got the infograph face, um, and in the top left, I've got the date, um, and then the middle giant complication is things, and it shows my today list, which is uh, it's really helpful. It helps me not forget stuff, because every time I check what time it is, I'm also reminded of things I have to do. So that has saved me on many occasions where I've checked the time and gone, oh my gosh, I have to do this before I leave school. Then I have the calendar, which reminds me of any appointments. And uh, it just says like the time of the next appointment. In the middle, I have my activity rings and then uh, I have carrot weather. And uh, 
carrot weather, it's nice, especially because we have rules in, in Tennessee. Um, if it's 32 degrees or colder, that's too cold to go outside for recess. Um, I'm sure that's probably not the case maybe where you are, where it gets that cold far more, but we're, uh, we're not used to the cold. So it's also, it's just nice to have the weather and glance down and be like, nope, we can't go outside for recess today, kids. Which it seems like I'm happy about, but I'm never happy to not go outside. Indoor recess is the worst. Well, that's one thing that is definitely the same in Maryland. Uh, no one likes indoor recess. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so um, we are going to talk about some other apps that we use, but that is the primary way when I'm in school that I interact with the watch is that and through notifications. And I just find it gives me the important information at a glance and I can leave my phone sitting at my desk. I'm not worried about being distracted by it, but if my wife needs to tell me something important, uh, you know, maybe something's going on with one of our personal kids or there's an emergency in the building and it's going through a text message chain or just one of my fellow teachers is asking, you know, we're teaching the same lesson and something doesn't make sense about what we're doing or, you know, we can all text each other and be like, is this going okay for you guys or no? You know, so we can communicate and be available for each other, but not distracted by other things on the phone. Yeah, I think I think your watch face does an amazing job setting up the point of having an Apple watch in the classroom. And I want to talk about this for just a second because I think a lot of teachers, maybe some who are even listening to this are wondering, well, okay, do I want to buy an Apple watch? All my friends have one now and uh, I really hear they're good for exercise stuff. Um, What else can they do? And, or maybe you have one and you are using it for the workout exercise stuff, but you're wondering like, how do you get use out of this in the classroom. You know, I have a a colleague who's really not that into technology who has an Apple Watch, and it's interesting to hear from his perspective, even for him, like how much he defines the Apple Watch as a classroom tool because he's so typically adverse to using tech. Um, He stated it best the other day when he was saying, you know, I really miss, he's kind of a a fashion savvy dude. He says, you know, I really just (laughs) miss having a mechanical watch, but you know, the one reason I can't bring myself to not wearing my Apple Watch is in school because I would be lost without the Reminders app just pinging me to do stuff on my wrist. And I was like, yes, that's the perfect the perfect way to explain the Apple Watch is like having this window into where your focus should be that is as accessible as your wrist, something where you're always looking at the time but then seeing everything else that is important to you, uh, especially in a busy teaching job where, as many of our listeners know, you barely have enough time to plan. You're always on your feet, and you're oftentimes away from a computer or a phone, at least in an accessible way. So to be able to look at your watch and see things like, Craig, which you said, to be able to see your to-dos, where you're supposed to be, and the weather, in addition to messages, I just think that that's the perfect way to explain the use of the Apple Watch. And your your modular watch face is actually what I used to use. Uh, I guess in a second, we'll get to why I've moved away from it. But do you, I mean, do you have any other things you would say about that? Like, I mean, I think your watch face said it all. No, other than you corrected me on the name of the watch face, and I'm glad you did, because Infograph is the new S- Series 4 term, and I'm used to hearing it. This is the modular face, yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, yeah, you've covered it exactly. The watch face and the notifications are the two main 
interactions that I have with it while I'm teaching. Uh, and of course, you've explained that the modular face, and actually in the Apple Watch Series 4, it's called, you're at, you were actually half right, because the new version of the face is called the modular infograph. <laughs> right, okay, that's right. Um, because there's a whole bunch of new Series 4 watch faces that are called infograph, and infograph, I think the all of the faces that use that term somewhere in their title are referring to these new kinds of complications. And I guess if you don't have an Apple Watch or don't understand, uh, we should explain a complication. Uh, a complication is simply a, um, I guess, modular in terms of size, but it's a little piece of information that you can install onto your watch face from either an Apple app or a third-party app. Uh, and so when Craig was explaining his modular face earlier, um, those were all different complications, which are customizable on the watch face. Uh, and which ones you put there can really make or break your experience. Since the, the watch face is, to me, kind of like the home screen of the Apple Watch, even though there is actually a home screen, like a little little honeycomb of app icons, um, the watch face is sort of like the default thing you see. And so to have that be tailored to your needs is super important. So anyway, I'm going all over the place here. Basically, I think the infograph word refers to the updated type of complication, which is just a different, like Apple redesigned all of the complications. And if you use a modular watch face on series three or earlier, uh, they just look different than the ones on the series four and the newly designed ones are referred to as infograph. So I think, and I think because the density, because the screen is bigger, they pack more info onto your screen. Yeah. Some of them do go ahead. All right. Well, no, I was going to ask you to go ahead and share, share your watch face or faces. Yeah. <laughs> so I put four in our little shared note here. Um, I'll just speak to two of them that I use in the classroom. But yeah, I used to use modular. Uh, and then Apple in, I think, watchOS 4 came out with uh, something called the Siri watch face. And yeah, it was watchOS 4. Yeah, Siri is the, sorry, the Siri watch face is a watch face that basically takes, I mean, the idea behind using modular is it can fit the most complications on it. So it's the most customizable. It gives you the most information. It's not the prettiest, but it gives you the most information. So the idea behind the Siri watch face is that it gives you information from a lot of the same sources that you might use on the modular face, only it shows them both smartly and in a timeline-based view. So Siri predicts from all of your different apps which pieces of information from them it wants to... In in, or display on the watch face, and then it shows them in order of when they happen. So for me, I might see the current, uh, the top p piece of information would be like the uh, calendar event I'm currently in, and I put all of my classes with room locations in my calendar because I teach in four different locations. So knowing where I'm supposed to be, when the class is over, and where the next class is going to be is super helpful. And I, what I would do is I have alarms. You know, I have to let my band students start packing up a few minutes before the end of class so that they have time to get to their next period. So I would have an alarm for the end of every class. So I actually see as the top piece of information, uh, the Siri watch face kind of shows these in little cards. Uh, my top card is the current class, 
start and end time. And then the card right below it is the alarm for the end of that class, which might beneath that might have, um, maybe it has like a to do that I have to get done right after that class. And then the next thing will be like, maybe the weather is going to change. So I'll see a carrot weather card and then I'll see the next class and then the alarm to end that class. So I'm, it's kind of a, it's like a, it's showing me only the relevant information, which is cool because it's in a timeline, but it's also cool because in the modular watch face, sometimes a complication might be useless. Like for example, if you fill all of your activity rings, you might not necessarily want to see how much activity you've done for the day anymore. Uh, and that complication is just taking up space on the watch. So that's the watch face that I moved to, but then there's a new watch face on the series four, which I've recently switched to, and it's called Infograph. Um, I think it's just called Infograph. I think I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, I think the Infograph modular is the modular one with the new complications. But Infograph is a traditional analog watch face, but with nine possible complications you can stick on it, as opposed to the modular six complications. Wait, is it five or six on the modular? I'm looking here. One, two, three, four, five. Five, five, yeah, only five on the modular watch face, and nine on the infograph. So, and, yeah, go ahead. But it is there are more on the infograph modular. There is one more than on regular modular. Is there? Yeah, you can go. There's one you can go above the time. So oh, kind of like on your Siri face, you've got the date above the time. You can actually put something else above the time on the uh, infograph modular as well. Yeah, you're right. That's cool. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, infograph, nine complications. So the major downside of this watch face is that I am really bad at telling analog time, uh, <laughs> <laughs> especially when class times need to end at very specific minutes. And my class times might end at, like one will end at 8.43, another will end at 9.16. So I'm getting used to it. Fortunately, my alarms still help me to know when to let my students go. Uh, so I can kind of eyeball it and know where I am. And of course, I'm getting better at analog time as I've been using it for a month now. So then what I can do is I can have, uh, I have the alarms complication in the upper left, which is really never useless because it's at least reminding me when my alarm to wake up for the next morning is, even if it's not uh, showing me the end of the next class. So usually there's something useful to me in the alarm complication that's in the upper left slot. Then in the upper right, I've got uh, OmniFocus, which is telling me usually the next do task that I have to get done. And again, sometimes that might be something I really need to get done before a certain time of day. So in addition to the notification that will pop up on my watch face, I have a constant persistent reminder to do that task. Uh, I've got the date in the upper, I guess there's four middle spots. And the upper of those four, I've got the date the day of the week, and then above it, the next calendar event coming up. Uh, to the right middle spot, I've got a timer, which isn't always giving me active, useful information, but I use it so often that it's just a, like a, when it's not in use telling me how much time is left, it is just a little shortcut button to get to the timer app. Um, timers, stopwatches, and alarms, you can, uh, as a, the listener, you can imagine these are three of the most useful classroom apps, and all of them come installed on the watch. Um, so then I've beneath that, I've got my activity rings. And then to the left, I've got drafts, which is my only 
complication that does not give me active information, but Drafts is such a useful app on the Apple Watch that I leave it there as a shortcut. It actually is set so that when I tap on the app icon, it immediately launches the app and starts recording my voice. Uh, and I can just speak into it a note or a to-do or because it's Drafts, which we talked about in a semester one episode, we'll link to that in the notes. Um, because it's Drafts, it saves all of those notes on my phone where I can later process them, turn them into notes or turn them into tasks or send them as text messages, whatever is relevant. Oh man, there's so many complications. <laughs> the next one is the lower left corner of, it's the one that sits on the outside of the little notches for minutes and seconds. This is Carrot Weather. And I really like the design of Carrot Weather. It follows the same design as the Apple Watch stock weather app, only it has a little pretty icon that kind of gives you an idea what the weather is as a gl at a glance. Uh, and then it has that, um, this like little, it's kind of like a, like a, like a, oh gosh, how do you describe this shape? It's just sort of follows the outside of the circle of minutes and second notches, but it's like a great, it's like a colorful line that has a gradient sort of showing you, representing to you the lowest possible temperature and the highest possible temperature, and then a little dot along that bar to show you like where in the lowest temperature of the day and the highest temperature of the day that you're currently sitting. Uh, and then last but not least, I'm really into tracking my water intake lately. And so I have a little bar that shows me how much of my daily water goal I've met. And that is the WaterMinder app. Awesome. Well, I think that covers our main watch faces. Now, I know you, you said earlier that the watch face is kind of the main way that you interact with the watch. And it is for me too, between the watch face and notifications, that's 95% of my time on the watch, but there are a few other apps that we do like to use. Um, and so I thought we could just, we've got a big list. We probably don't need to cover all of them, but I thought we could share a few of our favorites, um, before we, uh, before we wrap up. Sounds great. All right, so I think the first app that I want to talk about is 1Password. And um, it's super handy. The 1Password app, you can set certain passwords in your 1Password vaults to be available on your watch. And this is really nice. Um, my school laptop that I'm given, my Dell, I cannot install software on it, so I cannot use 1Password. And there are certain login items that I just need access to really quickly that have long, complicated passwords. And so I have set those on my watch. And occasionally, if I need them, I just open up the 1Password app. It's always the very first app in my list. I have my, uh, instead of using the honeycomb, I have it in the alphabetical order list. And uh, so 1Password is always right at the top. I open it up, I select the login, and I can read it really quickly and type it in. So um, I only have four, maybe five different passwords in there, but when I need it, it's really nice to have. My favorite is when uh, I leave my photocopier login as one of my watch passwords so that if I walk to the photocopier without my phone, I can just look at my password right there. 
Yeah, well, my use case, so my school district makes us change our password every six weeks or so. And uh, I always use one passwords instead of just completely random string of characters. I have it generate three random words um, so I can at least type that in a lot quicker. But because it changes every six weeks and 99% of the time that I'm having to type in that password, it's on my iPad that just now uses face ID and I touch one button and it looks at my face and then puts the password in thanks to one password. I rarely even remember what those three words are. And so um, it's really nice when I do have to log into my school computer and I've just changed the password um, to be able to just go, what's the password again? Got it. Okay. Um, and and go from there. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Well, I would like to talk about next, probably my most used app on the Apple Watch. And this is called Do. Now, Do is, um, it's kind of a replacement for the Reminders app uh, with one small difference. It will persistently remind you to do the task over and over and over again. And so you actually click the Done button. Now, this is a really interesting app because um, the Reminders app, as useful as it is, uh, I'm pretty busy and scatterbrained teacher. And if I'm in the middle of something, when I get a notification to do something, I will immediately look away and then forget about it. So the fact that it continuously pings my phone is really awesome. Now, of course, on my watch, I can customize the options for when I get a notification. So when I get a notification, not only is one of the options to click the or tap the done button, but I also have a snooze for 15 minutes button that I can tap. I have a snooze for 30 minutes. And these are customizable buttons, making uh, it very, very easy to be constantly aware of time-based tasks. This is like for when I need to talk to uh, a member of, uh, like the other band director has a student who I teach in the sectionals and I need to give them uh, a worksheet that they've completed or remind them to turn in their form, their paperwork for the solo ensemble festival. I'll add a little do task and it'll remind me exactly at that moment that his class is beginning. Nice. I will next, I've mentioned it briefly because it is always on my watch face, but Things is my task manager and they have a really great watch app. Um, I feel like the design of it is good, which you can't really say about a lot of watch apps, but um, it it shows you basically your today view um, and you can check stuff off. And another great thing about it is you can actually add tasks via Siri on the watch, which other apps can't do it'll say to do this please do it on your phone um and you just use siri it adds it and you can be reminded of certain tasks so um i check stuff off on my watch all the time especially like if one of my tasks is take this form to the front office or go meet with this person go ask this person a question about this as soon as i'm done doing it i pull up my watch tap the complication it opens up things and i mark that as done Yeah, it's easily one of the best designed Apple Watch apps I have ever used. Far better than the OmniFocus app, but we talked about that in another episode. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And I think we're actually going to talk about it again in an episode later this semester. I did see that on our our lesson plans. Yes, yes, yes. All right, well, uh, well, we're still on the productivity app train here. Um, 
I find that the Mail app is something that I have a love-hate relationship with on the Apple Watch. Uh, I typically use it just for its notifications, which you have to be really particular about if you don't want to constantly be getting uh, notifications on your wrist that there are brownies in the teacher's lounge. Uh, but for certain moments, it actually is very useful. Uh, when our front office decides that there's going to be a fire drill and emails the staff, uh, I might not have time to check my email on my computer between a couple of classes. And if for some reason I miss sitting down to do my afternoon message purge, um, it's really great to have that information directly on my watch while I'm conducting. Just take a look down. Say, oh, okay, sixth period today, fire drill, awesome. Uh, and this, of course, is useful for the same reason that you mentioned that the Messages app is useful earlier. Uh, there's just something so magical about being able to see messages from your team right on your wrist. And we, I think we talked about Slack as well last semester, but that's what my team uses for project management and team communication. And the same is true there. Just being able to get messages uh, and keep on top of team communication from anywhere in the building is really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I've really got one more that I use at, at school. And uh, I actually haven't used it lately. But um, the only one we haven't mentioned uh, on the list is, for me, Time Logger. And uh, it's a uh, time tracking app. And there was a, a period of time I was just feeling like I was not getting enough done at work. Um, I, I felt like I was behind in my grading and my planning, and I just couldn't figure out why. So I was like, I'm just going to start tracking my time and figure out where things are happening. And um, and so Time Logger is great, and the app is really nice. It You can start and stop any timer that you want from the watch. And then when you stop the timer, it puts it into the iPhone app, which syncs to the iPad app. And um, I, I think it's really well done um, and works really well natively. Now, I will say I don't do this anymore because it started depressing me how much of my time that was not spent teaching was spent in meetings. Um, and I was like, this this doesn't make me feel great. <laughs> um, but if you are looking to figure out where your productivity gaps are and, and what's causing problems for you, um, or you just are a nerd like most of us are and like to kind of know, see where your, your time goes. I really recommend time logger. This might be the conversation that finally pushes me over the edge. I've, this is one of very few apps that's been on my radar for quite a while that I haven't downloaded yet. <laughs> I, uh, I look forward to uh, getting screenshots of your, your time logs next week. Yeah. I've had historically uh, a hit or miss relationship with time logging apps but um, maybe that's subject for a future episode. <laughs> All right. Um, so I've got a couple more on the list. A lot of them are health-related, uh, and we talked about some of them in our health episode last semester. Um, so I'm just going to talk about the one that I feel like is most applicable to teaching, I guess. And I don't know why I think, I'm trying to pinpoint why I think this is more useful for a teacher than the others. It's called Spire. And this is a wearable device that you clip on your belt that tracks your respiratory rate throughout the day. 
And as someone who believes in meditation and mental health and focusing on breathing throughout a busy job, uh, I think this device has been, of all the health tools and apps I've tried over the years, this one just seems to be the one that really helps me to understand my health in the context of my teaching day, because one of the many features of the iPhone app and Apple Watch app is it actually tells you how many minutes of the day you had a focused, calm, or stressed breathing pace. Uh, and this is really useful. Uh, I guess this is not a watch feature. You can you can see that information on the watch, but then if you want more, you can open up the phone and you can get a little bit of insight as to when specifically during the day those breathing patterns are happening. So is it like happening during my second period class or my fourth period class when the band students are all entering in, all 65 of them? It's just a really useful thing to have accessible right from your wrist to be able to see what your current breathing pattern is. And the watch app can actually launch you into a meditation, much like what the breathing app can do, which, which is actually another teaching favorite. I can't always take a minute to meditate in the middle of a busy teaching day, but I can do some slow breathing from my desk while I'm typing email. Um, let's see. So this one is kind of music specific. Uh, there's a host of tuning and metronome apps from the watch that can, uh, well, apps for the phone that can be triggered with the watch, all of which are great if you're doing something like for me. Uh, I'll do this a lot where I'll have my phone plugged into a speaker at the front of the room, but then I'll be working with some students in a different part of the room, and I'll need to be able to turn off and on the metronome or change the tempo of the metronome. Uh, and for that, there's a couple. The Tempo app by Frozen Ape is really good, uh, as is the Tonal Energy Tuner, which has a built-in metronome. Uh, oh, another one I use that's actually native to the Apple Watch is called Tacit, and it uses haptic feedback to gently and discreetly pulse the tempo for you while the digital crown can scroll through uh, the number of the tempo that you want. So getting a little band, ner cool. band nerdy for a second, but yeah, anyone out there who is a musician, this is a cool one, uh, and it defines really uh, <laughs> a majority of my teaching life. Actually... Fun fact, uh, when iOS 12 came out and the, uh, the feature that tells you how much time you spend in all of your apps came out, um, I, I've now had enough time to sort of let that feature run its course and look at my actual, uh, look at an average week of mm -hmm. use. And because that app combines the use of my iPad and my iPhone, uh, it now <laughs> represents a very, very healthy focus on productivity because if you open that feature in the settings app for me it's like number one most used app is the tonal energy tuning app it'll be it'll be on sometimes like three or four hours a day <laughs> um next to that is like oh gosh some it's just all like like i work and omni outliner and all sorts of productivity stuff i use in the like good notes these things so anyway fun fact um ah speaking of i work this is a very useful Apple Watch app if you're in a teaching environment where you're, where you're giving information to your students using Keynote slides. Um, the Keynote app for the Apple Watch. Now, this works in combination with the iPhone Keynote app, which can allow you to edit your Keynote work, but it also has a remote feature where you can manipulate the slides from anywhere in the room. Now, this is great because on the iPhone, you can see your current and your next slide. Um, but if you don't want to have that out, you can just have the triggers right on your Apple Watch. 
And this is great because I have some keynote slides that automate my warm-up for my band students. So the first thing they do when they walk into the room is there's actually a play-along track playing. So it sort of gets them thinking they're late. It's very deceptive. It makes them think they're late to class, that there's something already <laughs> going on. So they hustle to their seats, and then they play along with the play-along tracks. And then when I want to go to the next slide, I just tap it on my tap the next button on my wrist, which then takes it into a guided breathing exercise video. Uh, and I can be like anywhere in the classroom. I can be high-fiving students at the door, talking to kids about missed work. Uh, I can be fixing a tuba. And when I hear that one keynote slide has run its course, I can just tap my wrist and move on to the next one. And it kind of automatically teaches my class for me in the first seven to 10 minutes. Awesome. Well, anything else we need to talk about? No, I think the two most important things to do are just to customize your notifications and to customize your watch face and, you know, to consider third-party complications. Yeah. Well, as always, our super short this is going to be a quick episode has gone long. Um, we like to talk to each other, so we should probably wrap it up, but semester two starting, uh, we're going to have a lot of great topics. We won't give away too much right now, but, um, we, uh, we're using a lot of the feedback that our listeners gave us from semester one, and, uh, it's going to be a really great, uh, time of learning for all of us. Right on. I'm looking forward to it. Well, until next time, Stay classy and stay nerdy.